You're listening to Experiential Experts by Impact XM. Tune in for insights on how to empower your brand with virtual and in-person events and start making an impact today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Experiential Experts, a podcast brought to you by Impact XM. It's a pleasure having you along with us here today. On today's episode, our hosts, Lori Criswell and Holly Zielinski, spoke to the VP of MGM Resorts event production, Marty Weiner, to get a sense of how the events industry has changed since the pandemic. So without further ado, here are your hosts today, Lori and Holly. Hey, Holly. Great to be back in the studio with you after a very busy few weeks. I know you've been traveling quite a lot lately. Happy to see the live events returning. How have you been doing? Hey, Lori. Doing great here. Definitely travels picking back up. Really excited to be back on the show floor, back in live events. Lots of corporate events happening. So it's a, a great way to end the year and move into 2022. Yeah, great. Are you doing anything fun for the holidays? Um, hopefully just uh, sitting around, having some good food. A lot of nothing. That's on my agenda. What about you? Well, actually, we're going to Italy as a family. And first Ooh, nice. vacation in a couple of years. Kids are home from college. And we decided that we would uh, risk it and go out of the country. So for now, let's just hope that that continues. And it'll be a nice little uh, change for us, for sure. Good for you. Definitely be nice to have a change of scenery and get back on a plane for a real trip. That's right. Exactly. In the meantime, you know, happy to, to be here with you and, and super excited about our guest today. Um, we're going to be talking with Marty Weiner, who is the vice president of MGM Event Productions. But before we get started, I kind of I want to provide the listeners with a quick bio. Marty joined MGM Resorts Event Productions as vice president in September of 2018. Under Marty's leadership, MGM is focusing on maintaining its rich history and bringing cutting-edge innovation and creativity to their customers. Marty has a passion for hospitality and a firm belief that events are the greatest communication to foster engagement among global diverse audiences. Marty also loves to clown around each year as a volunteer clown in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Marty, thank you for joining us today. We're so excited to start this conversation. I just have to say before we get into this, I love that comment in your bio. How long have you been participating in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? As a clown, no less. Yes, as a clown. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's delightful to be here with you both today. And um, so I have been a clown, uh, some would say for a lifelong uh, period of time. But in this specific function, it's been about 10 years. Although I have to say, in transparency's sake, it is very sad. This year will be the first time in those 10 years that I will not be returning to my hometown of New York to participate in the parade. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. You're in Las Vegas now, right? I am. I am. I moved here in uh, September of 2018. I would say that's quite a different holiday experience than in New York. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just yes. a little bit. I Yes. You know, every now and then it gets to this time of year and I am still looking around for where I need a hat and gloves and realize I don't really even need my coat yet. So um, I have to say it gets to this time and not really complaining about the weather here, although always going to love New York more than any place else. No kidding, for sure. Well, I, we just want to get into this and, and start the conversation off. Great. Hi, Marty. So excited you're here today. Great to t uh, chat with you again. So let's dive in. As we all know, it's been a rough couple of years. And now that we're finally able to return to in-person events, what do you feel has changed in regards to your business model? 
Well, first of all, Holly, um, I, I too am delighted to have returned to in-person events. Uh, it, it's been, it's just, it's cathartic to see all of those people in one place. And even when they're wearing masks, you can tell that they're smiling and delighted to be together. A lot has changed in, in regards to our business model. I mean, where does one even start? I think the biggest things that have changed are our acute awareness of health and safety in a way that we had not looked at it regularly or, you know, with the same rigor as we did in the past. I think that matters and is front of mind in every scenario now. I also think the business itself had changed. Things we took for granted in terms of the ability to put people together in a room to make organic connections, we now really have to think about a little bit. And while people are still recovering mentally, physically, economically, I think the third piece that has changed is the confidence and the speed of decision making, right? A lot of the business that we're looking at is shorter term. People are not as comfortable committing to the number of people who will be there. Are they contemplating? Do they need to create some hybrid opportunities and, and have some time, you know, ha have some time online as well as in person? So I, I think those are the, the biggest ones right now that have changed in our business model. And what I think the biggest thing we've learned is that it's going to keep changing. I think what I tell you now would probably be different than what I'd say in six months, certainly different than I would have said six months ago. Absolutely. All great points. And I think in our industry, we're really seeing the timeline be something that affects our production schedule. It is really hard for people to, like you said, to commit to something with so many questions and, and just things up in the air. So we're getting that green light with a much shorter window to produce than we have in the past. Yeah, I agree, right? It, there are so many uncontrollable variables that it's hard for people to make decisions and to stick with them. And even when you think there's a plan, you know, flexibility is is the key at this moment in time, right? It's, it's how we are all proceeding. Now, the good news as event professionals is we are flexible. We have always been flexible. We have to be. Yeah, always. Exactly. Right? What has ever gone exactly according to plan? So I, I think that we are, the good news is programmed for this. Would I have, would I have needed to test our limits to this capacity? Probably not. But I, I do think we are well suited to handle it. All right, Marty, that's all really great feedback. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what you view the customer experience looking like now? Sure. You know, I think it's an interesting perspective to talk about it from that of the customer experience. A lot of what the perspective I've given you so far is about that of the planner and the industry and those who are in it. But from a customer experience, right, whether you are a planner, whether you are somebody who's returning to a conference for the first time in almost two years, you're, you're nervous, you're anxious, you're excited. There's a heightened sense of the emotions that go along with this entire experience. So I think that we on the planning side need to be really sensitive to that and meet people where they are right now, right? I mean, if you've seen any of those little ribbons or things or, you know, hand signals, you know, you can hug me or, you know, I'm up to an elbow, you know, uh, and or stay six feet away, but I'm delighted to see you from there, right? I think that everybody's answer is the right one for them them. And we all need to accommodate that. So I think the key to the customer experience is going to be, it's going to be that it's varied. I think it needs to 
give people the chance to remind themselves why they want to be back together and the organic value in having these in-person experiences. I also think we need to give them a moment to get used to being in a room that's this sized with as many people with a lot of experiences that they haven't had, right? I mean, one of the weirder ones I've had recently, and I would not have anticipated this, I personally kind of expected to have a little bit of the gosh, a thousand people feels like a lot of people in a room when, you know, a couple of years ago, I would never have thought twice about it. What I didn't have, and I think those of us on the content and programming side think about this, is I was watching something on stage. And it was great, right? There was nothing wrong with it. It had perfectly great content. But I realized that this was the first time in about two years that I didn't have a remote to change it. I didn't have an option to turn on something else, (laughs) right? I mean, I was a captive audience member. And that's something that I had not pondered coming into this is that, right, this is what live on stage looks like. I am here for what the content being presented to me is. And I think from the planner side, that hit me pretty significantly because the last few years haven't been like that. And while we're all still used to, you know, having second and third screens at every juncture, the whole shared experience of watching something simultaneously and participating in the rise and fall of emotion or learning or et cetera, is one that we're really going to have to take into account in that customer experience as we start to um, really curate and orchestrate what upcoming events look like. Yeah. And I, I also feel that sitting in front of a computer and and you know you're exactly right to have that opportunity to have some a captive audience and and everybody's listening and you know they're listening because they're sitting right there in front of you well maybe they're listening maybe they're not but at least they're there and and having the virtual component is just not the same as much as it helped because it was all we had it's still never going to replace the live events even though some companies are saying that they've had great success in doing the virtual and and have gotten, you know, gathered leads and and such. I don't feel like they're really getting that long-lasting relationship out of it, which is really what ultimately matters in business. Yeah, you know, and and to I, I want to give all of those people incredible credit, right? The ability to use my least favorite word at this point, pivot, yeah, right, the business model, and be able to do that, you know, create virtual events and still com- maintain communication and you know deliver content is a tough thing to do. And the fact that there has been positive outcomes to it and learnings from that, you know, I don't think are a bad thing. And I think on some level, they are things that we are all are gonna take with us in our learnings back into live experiences. For example, um, you know, the ubiquitous content and the ability to have access more easily is important, right? What does that do to level the playing field? What does that do to make, you know, create opportunities for people who may not have had exposure to an industry or to a speaker or something in advance for a wide variety of reasons? You know, what does it do to help bring diversity, uh, you know, of every variety, um, you know, diverse in geography, diverse in thought, diverse in backgrounds and experiences into one conversation where if you were having 
one live event and it only had a certain geographic pull. What did this do for us and how do we take that with us back to these other live events? So I think that there were there were positives that came out of it that I think were super helpful. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think nothing replaces that visceral response of having people in a room together to experience something. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I feel like everybody is, at least many people that we're speaking to are super excited to get back out there and know that they see the value in it and they understand that nothing is better than being face-to-face with somebody and having a glass of wine or, or uh, you know, lunch or dinner or breakfast or whatever it might be. I, I do find that people are impatient now when it comes to planning because they are ready kind of to your earlier point. And I know that it makes it a little bit more challenging on our end when we actually have to do venue sourcing and such. And, you know, one topic and and shifting gears here a little bit is, and it's a topic on everybody's uh, mind, you know, the staffing shortage and how that has affected the industry. And, and, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, You know, I think it's real. (laughs) Yeah. I think there is considerable uh, staffing challenges that face our industry as well as any number of others. I I think that, On its best day, hospitality and events is a tough industry, right? It's time consuming. You're working while others have leisure experiences. You're there to actually create those experiences for others. You know, it's a lot. It requires energy. It requires stamina. It requires a wide variety of skill sets, ranging from creativity to detail orientation and a thousand other things. Getting those right people into those jobs has always been a particularly interesting topic of conversation. In this moment in time, even more so. You know, and I think that those who have opted not to come back to the industry or do something else or want to have that work from home experience versus the need to be on the road, right? The exact opposite. Everybody wants to go to a live event, but not everybody wants to work them. Um, <laughs> you know, sort of counterintuitive uh, built into that part of the conversation. But, you know, I think what I am seeing, however, which, you know, I'm, I'm the glass half full optimist at all times, is the folks who are in it are really in it. They see it, they're dedicated to it, they have a passion for it, and they really want to make this work. I, you know, I had a conversation recently about, you know, those who you can tell are, they're, they're committed, they are on board, you can tell from every action every day. And it doesn't mean it's not hard. And it doesn't mean it's not tiring and frustrating. And then there are those who are on the fence, and they're waiting to see how it turns out. And I have to tell you that our industry doesn't leave a lot of room for the fence because there's no such thing as part way planning or part way committed. And I think that that's going to be when we pull out of this shortage, those who are there are going to be in it for the long haul. What I do think we're going to see is some of the same skill sets and some different ones um, and different perspectives. And I'm, I'm kind of eager to see how that melds together, right? We're already dealing with a workforce, not just in our industry, overall, that was five generations of people. Well, I don't know where the shift leaves us. I don't know what happens at the end of this and, and where more of the, the, the talent is coming from. But but I'm interested, I'm interested in being part of that conversation. I think it's going to be interesting to watch and see how new perspectives mixed with industry veterans 
get us to the best examples of what our industry can be. So as we're all discussing this, we know we're really excited to get back to live events. We are so excited to start seeing these show up again on our schedules. But what are you seeing organizations do differently so that they can get back to these live events? You know, that's a really great question, Holly. I think that a number of things. First, I think that there's a lot of people who actually do not want to go back to, do, to doing it differently. I think they want to bring back the, the nostalgic version of what the events looked like pre-pandemic. And I think that there's something to be said or argued for that, that, you know, bringing back a lot of those elements makes a lot of sense. From a, from a difference perspective, I think that, I think that people are looking to going back to sort of that, those variables that exist contract a little differently, have some more flexibility in when they need to commit to certain dates, understand that there's going to be a greater need to record and have playback for those who were not able to make it. And there is now a sort of general understanding that content will most likely be available for you later. And if not, and you were trying to promote that, you know, that FOMO, you know, moment in time, if you're not here, you've missed it making that conscious decision that that that's this is the this is the one time you're going to get to see it. Um I think that those will be it. I also think that you know because of the health and safety that is um prevalent on on everybody's minds, I think the things that they're going to do differently are still ask a lot of questions about safety requirements. You know, are you having a vaccine mandate? Are you having a test mandate? Are you know mask required, masks optional and obviously that a lot of that depends on where you're located. Um etc. You know whether you want um, on-site testing to be an option, how much of your audience is international and and what's the variability of their you know ability to travel? Does it change your food and beverage decision making in terms of you know serviceware? And how does though how do those decisions impact your sustainability efforts, right? And and you know the ability to have one-use items for safety reasons, but also wanting to keep your meetings as sustainable as possible. So I think that people are really weighing the pros and cons of a lot of their meeting components and the ROI on those elements and seeing what makes the most people feel as safe and as comfortable as possible, and then going with that. Marty, I was just going to say what I think is so interesting about your response to that question is it really all ties back to a takeaway that I heard you say earlier, which is meet your customers where they are. And that's exactly everything that you are saying you're seeing organizations do differently is meeting their customers where they are so that they are able to safely host these live events and have their their customers come and feel safe and feel excited to be a part of it. Yeah, you know, I, I really firmly believe that. I think that, look, I, I think that that for me personally extends farther past my feeling about live events and just about sort of my interactions with the universe, right? Meet people where they are. I think it's what creates the greatest networking opportunities, the greatest social opportunities, the greatest learning opportunities. So, and and all of those are really core to what live events are about. So I think that that really is a good for me personally, a good benchmark for for how I can conduct this. And honestly, I see a lot of our, you know, industry colleagues doing the same thing, you know, just taking all of those other facets into account. You know, I I, I feel like most, for the most part, 
we are getting back to it. uh, To your point earlier, there is some hesitation where people are just kind of a wait and see. I think this year was sort of a more of a wash. I mean, you know, the past six months we've been getting back into it and it's been some events of full steam ahead and others have been more cautious. I find that the tech industry has a tendency to be a little bit more cautious than some of the other industries that we we work with. And I, I, you know, it's just wondering, like, are you still seeing a lot of the COVID safety requirements for requiring vaccinations or and or uh, negative tests. Is that still happening? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is still happening. I think that there's a lot of people who, um, as part of them meeting them where they are, just knowing that it's an option, that it can be a part of their planning process, that um, whether they end up using it or not, um, I think there's still a lot of conversation around you know, testing. I also think, you know, depending on where the geographic distribution is as to where people are coming from, it's what they've become used to, right? If you're a group that is coming from New York, as we talked about New York earlier, and you're used to showing your card upon entry into a wide variety of, you know, just a general, you know, general business establishments, it would feel weird to you not to, I think, right? right? Or that everybody else hasn't been asked to do the same. So I think it really depends on where folks are coming from, both mentally and physically. But there is definitely still a lot of conversation about it. Absolutely. Are you seeing a lot of on-site testing? You know, um, I guess a lot is a relative term, right? We're seeing enough, I think. You know, I think there are enough folks, or if it's you aren't vaccinated, you need a test in the last 72 hours, or it's a backup for somebody who felt like they needed one in the local area, right? Um, You know, MGM has this, um, a, a Convene with Confidence program that is made available for all of the groups that are here that our convention um, convention services and catering department, um, you know, executes on and our sales departments promote for those that have an interest in it. Um, And I think that that walks everybody through the options that are um, available, whether it's testing, whether it's using the clear clear app as as a means of, you know, making for ease of entrance. Um, I think that there's a lot of elements to it that people are still exploring to understand what works best for them in their group in this moment in time. Are you seeing a different approach when it comes to food and beverage? You know, I think that that's a varied approach based on the group and their preferences and their budgets and their comfort levels. I think that, you know, the food and beverage departments that I have seen um, have really come up with some innovative ways to um, make things a little easier and single serve and, and um, you know, to to make, make portability and make, you know, uh, some distance friendlier for those who are participating in it. But, you know, on some, on, on, on the other hand, there are some folks that are like, okay, you know, I want my buffet open, right? It's the same thing you see in a lot of the hotels. Yeah. Some have reopened all of their restaurants, some are treating them differently, some are changing what the service levels look like, right? I think it depends, again, on what the audience is looking for and finding the answer that fits best for those, those who are in attendance. And I think that's the key, right? Let's keep the events going. Let's keep the live audiences there and let's make it that most comfortable level, whatever that looks like for that target audience. And with these increased safety protocol options, are you seeing organizations have more confidence in 
continuing forth with their event plans? Do you think that cancellations are beginning to be a thing of the past? Or do you think we're still in it? You know, probably not my, uh, you know, mine is purely an opinion versus a a, a business statement. I, I, I feel our business looks, you know, good on the, on our events business side. Do I think that there's still some folks who are exploring their options post? And I think it's, by the way, more postponing, right? I think that there's more discussion of that than canceling. You know, I, do I know what our sales team is really experiencing in terms of numbers? You know, I feel like that would probably be something I would need to check with them on, you know, how they feel about that. But, you know, we're busy, we're crowded. You can feel palpable audiences that are here, um, you know, weekdays have been coming back with more groups. Weekends are certainly busy in our hotels. So I don't know if it, I, I certainly hope it's a thing of the past. I hope that canceling is not a word we hear a lot going forward. If it's anything, it's resizing, rescheduling, all of those pieces. But I also generally hear a lot of enthusiasm for, for going forward with programs. Yeah. And I can tell you, having recently done some venue searches for or sourcing for a couple of our clients, things are filling up. The oh, availability yeah. for next year is is really slim. Yes, that is definitely true. You know, I think that is, there is a lot of that pent up desire for meetings and need and things that were postponed, whether they're social events or business events or et cetera. So I I do think that there are certainly a lot of people who are booking their events um, or, you know, push the ones that have been pushed out are are moving forward with their planning processes. Yeah, um, I do. I think if the folks have not booked their space yet and are um, anticipating that they will have a wide variety of options and availability, I would encourage them to uh, to start looking. Yes, absolutely. And and you'll find that it uh, there's not much availability based on what we have been seeing lately. It just also, you know, many events rely upon international attendees, but some global companies are still nervous to travel into the U.S. Uh, what steps are uh, is M- MGM taking to engage the global markets? Well, you know, I think that it is uh, the same, you know, kind of steps that we've been talking about in terms of, you know, using our Convene with Confidence program, understanding what, you know, what requirements are both needed to get into the U.S. and, you know, the the changes in travel laws and just tracking with all of the changes that um, seem to still be occurring on a pretty regular basis. You know, we're, we, I mean, Las Vegas is a really international destination. We have missed our global travelers and are, are happy to have as many folks come back as possible. You know, we saw that just the change in, change in, in rules, um, leading up to IMEX that was just here. Right. Had a tremendous, you know, impact on the number of folks who could be in attendance. And I think both everybody in Las Vegas and everybody who was attending could not be more excited about that. So I, I, you know, I think that it only will continue to grow and, you know, assuming all things are equal and everybody is doing what they need to be safe and we're preserving the health and safety of our, you know, communities. And, you know, we're excited to see those, those markets return and again, meet them where they live. For sure. So do you feel that the greater good is ready for the return to live in-person events? 
Oh gosh, absolutely. I think the greater good was probably ready or wanted to right after a shutdown. Whether they felt ready to actually go was a very different question. But do I think people just immediately out of the gate missed opportunities to convene? 100%. So I think it's good for the heart. It's good for the soul, right? It's good for everything to have these live and in-person meetings back and, you know, all of these events, sport, you know, sports concerts, you name it, right? My beloved Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, right? All (laughs) of those things. I do. I, you know, I do. I think that it is incumbent upon all of us to, um, to make sure we're doing the best we can to keep everybody safe and healthy and et cetera. But yeah, but I'm super happy to see live events back in person and happy to support that in any way I can. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all are. And and we're finding that our clients are as well. They're ready and they're they're done with this time off and looking at the same four walls and getting back out on an airplane and which is very hard for a lot of us who are the road warriors that this industry brings us. So, you know, a lot of great information here Marty and insight for our listeners who are, you know, specialized in the event um, experiential marketing um, industry. We want to end the session kind of with a quick game for our listeners to get to know you, if you're okay with that. Sure. You know, we'll say a topic and you say one word that comes to mind first. Okay. All right. We're going to fire them off to you, Marty. Give them to me. First one, MGM. Resorts. (laughs) Your celebrity crush. Vin Diesel. Ooh, your dream job. I have it. Perfect. Your guilty pleasure. Gummy bears. Ooh, okay. Good one. <laughs> your most prized possession. Oh, that's a good one. My most, wait, meanwhile, that was not an immediate comment that came out of my mouth. <laughs> my most prized possession. Gosh, let's think about it. Yeah, I you mean, have to answer, you know, carefully because right, I yeah, do. You don't want to I do. Anybody. I have to answer very carefully. So I will tell you at this moment in time, and again, this speaks volumes to what we've been doing, and you know, and and the time in the house and etc. Right now, my two most prized possessions. I'm going to answer with two because it's probably not fair. Uh, oh, three, three. My three most prized possessions. My on cloud sneakers because I have gone nowhere without them and they are hands down the most comfortable things I've ever put my feet in. Nice endorsement. Yes, yes. My, I finally broke down and got those little baby ear pod things for your ears with the speaker. And I had no idea how noise canceling anything was going to change my quality of life. So that would be number two. And I'm desperately trying not to lose them. And number three would be my swell bottle that my coffee goes in that has gone (laughs) everywhere with me and stays hot for a really long time. So I think basically what I've just shared with you all is that I've like upgraded to sort of uh, a handful of dabbling into the luxury item market in the last handful of months. And I have to tell you, I'm enjoying it immensely. Great. Taking notes for my Christmas list over (laughs) here as you rattle these off. Oh my gosh, I can't endorse these items enough. And I know it sounds incredibly weird and very shallow, and I should probably say like my husband, but he's really not a possession or my house. (laughs) That seems so weird, right? We don't want any of those things. I I really think my earbuds rank now at the top of the list. Those things are fantastic. I bought them at a sale on Costco. 
Well, and you need them these days when right. we're sitting in front of our computers. So it definitely helps. And the noise canceling is life-changing. You're right. It's, it's- I, I tell you, those three things really entirely tell you where my universe has been in the last couple of months. Yeah, for sure. Well, this next one might too. So what is your favorite drink? Coffee. Okay. See, I would have answered differently. I right. probably would have... If you want a real one, it's hands down martini straight up blue cheese olives. I'm down with you. And that's exactly what I would have said. And I might add a little dirtiness to it. Oh, no, I like it. I like a solidly clean martini. But yeah, coffee, actually, if I had to choose and give one up forever, I will give up that martini and keep my coffee. Oh, that answer can uh, vary depending on how the planning's going, right? Yeah, also true. Time of day plays into that decision, right? Et cetera. But yeah, but no, I, I think, yeah, yeah. That probably was not the answer most of your, most of your guests would give, right? Yes. Well, That's they might. Was, it's, it's, they, you know, they each have, they each serve their purpose for sure. Okay. So I think we know three things, but what is one thing that you are obsessed with? The Muppets. The Muppets? I was not expecting that one. I was not expecting that either, but I sort of need a little bit more detail on that. So I am a huge Muppets fan. Okay. I have since right, since childhood been a big fan of anything Jim Henson does. Sort of all of, you know, starting with the Muppet show, the movies, the fact that there's so much sort of sophisticated humor and writing built into it, the creativity of the whole sort of what those Muppets always represented. Yeah, I, I'm kind of obsessed with all things Muppets. Love it. Love it. Do you have a uh, uh, Muppet stuffed animals? Oh, sure. I have all sorts. Of, oh, okay. Good. I have all sorts of Muppets paraphernalia. I think that for me, one of the best things that ever happened in terms of because they had sort of gone a little bit out of style for a moment, and when they became part of the Disney family and merchandising found its way back, uh, you know, I was able to to acquire some more more current items. Although in my perfect world, I'm going to be able to combine a couple of these things. I really need like a Muppets coffee mug, right? Like I don't I don't have all the right pieces mixed together yet, but you know, I'll get there. <laughs> okay, well, on, on that note, what's your biggest fear? <laughs> Let's see. I want to say that my biggest fear is probably some sort of bug related, bug related thing, right? Not, I, not a big fan. Don't like them. Don't need to be near them. Really sort of, oh, no, wait, hang on. The one that surplants bugs. Wait, I need to take two of that answer. My biggest fear, hands down, needles. Okay. That's, I, I, I might agree with you on that. I think I've gotten a little bit more comfortable with them lately because I've had a lot of them with the vaccine and well, blue shots I, yes. and everything yes. else. So I, I have, I have overcome it a little of late, but I, you know, I will be the first person if I see it, there's no shot. So <laughs> the first thing I tell all of the people who are giving the vaccines is please do not think me rude. I'm not going to look at you at yeah. all. I cannot look in your, even that direction. Otherwise it's going to end badly for everybody. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yes. I, you know, I have the tendency to behave like a four-year-old when you take one for a shot. <laughs> so I, I do think that needles is my biggest fear, but you know what? One does what one needs to. Absolutely. Okay. Marty, what is the first word you think of when you hear the word events? Planners. How about 2020? Oof. Is that a word or is that That's just a word? A sound? You know, you can use that word. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a perfect is that a word. word. <laughs> just a sound. I think it was oof. That oof would be is- a couple of O's and an F at the end <laughs> for, yeah. for technical translation. 
emphasis on the F. <laughs> yes. Yes. No kidding. 2020 was, you know, it, it was, it was a year. Although I don't, I, honestly, I don't understand what happened. I feel like 2020 blurred into 2021 in a way that I would not have thought last yes. year at this time. I agree. So I, I would have the same response to what does one say to 2021? I'd also say, oof. Yep. Um, but yep. you know, I'm hopeful. We'll uh, skip 2021. Let's end on a high note. What about the future? Hopeful. I agree. Great word. I'm really genuinely hopeful about the future. I think that we are coming out the other side of a wide variety of challenges that the industry and, you know, health and safety, et cetera, have faced. And, you know, I think that there's been so much so much that people have gone through personally and professionally that there's so much desire to move forward and see improvement and grow and to really value the things that are important to you that I'm really hopeful that that people take the learnings out of all of this and bring it with them wherever they're headed. Yeah, absolutely. What a wonderful way to end our conversation. Thank you so much again for your time and insight into the hospitality industry and what's to come. I know our listeners will greatly appreciate it. Uh, We're all excited about 2022 and feel very optimistic that we're coming out of this. I agree. I am excited for the holiday season. I am excited for 2022. I know that we have a full panoply of events scheduled over the next six weeks and the turn of New Year's in a meaningful way. So we're super excited about that. Um, And thank you. Thank you so much to both of you for having me today. And um, it's been a real pleasure to get to chat with you. Absolutely. And when we're in Vegas, we will look you up for a little uh, time with the Muppets and potentially a cocktail or two. Absolutely. (laughs) We do not need the Muppets to go have a cocktail. That would be my pleasure next time you are in town. Perfect. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Have a great day. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye, ladies.